Good morning and welcome to another In Conversation With. This morning we have Paul Soundguy Spicer from LMP Sound. Good morning, Paul. Morning. How are you doing, Ben? Yes, very well. You? Yeah, good, thank you. And we have Peter Bayliss from PEB Marketing Academy. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Ben. Good to see you. And you, and you. Okay, so this morning we're going to take a look at the events industry. There's no doubt the events industry has been hardest hit by the coronavirus crisis shutting down first and probably opening up last. Peter, we'll come to you first. Where are we at? Well, I think the first thing to say, Ben, is that who would have thought we'd be where we are at the uh, turn of the year? If you, if you can remember that far back, and it seems a lifetime ago, the 31st of December 2019, if you'd have thought that we'd be here just this three or four or five months later, people would have said that you were mad. However, we are where we are. And, and the first thing to say is that we're all climbing a learning curve, you know. Uh, even the government's climbing a learning curve. So what, what does that behove us to do? Well, it behoves us to, to look at what we can control and not worry about what we can't control to a certain extent. Obviously, the event management industry has got particular issues in that, that, that for the most part, people in the event management industry, their, their income has fallen off the edge of a cliff. The issue with, with that is, uh, it, depending on the nature of the, of the sort of events that you support, it's not going to come back anytime soon, and it's certainly not going to come back in the form that it came, that it was before the pandemic. I mean, obviously, you're thinking all the time about how you can get your business through this current crisis. And the two things that I recommend really are, first of all, leadership. Leadership in your business community. One of the things I bang on about is it's important to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. You know, you need to be helping others who will be available to help you. It's going to be a mutual support process, but the businesses that take the lead in that mutual support process are going to be the ones that really benefit uh, going forward. So I would, I would urge you to sort of really think about how you can help uh, not just uh, other businesses in the event management industry, but the, the, the other stakeholders in your business. There might be suppliers of yours. They might be not, not just the customers. They might be suppliers that, you know, they might be, uh, they might be just contacts that you've got through business networking, whatever. If you can help them, then you know that that is going to be uh, stand you in good stead going forward. The other thing that I that I talk about is, and, and it's something that all business should do, probably all of the time, but they don't often have time to do it because they're so deep in the muck and bullets of running the business. At all times, how you can innovate what you do and add value to it. Things uh, again, I, I make the point that things are going to change going forward, even when thing when the marketplace does come back. You know, uh, there will be ways of doing things which are different and which are new, which open up opportunity to add value. I think that's you right. Know. I think where there's, where there's always these things, there's always opportunities, isn't there? Yes. But, and uh, and that, that, that those things, it, 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 there's the old saying, it's an ill wind that blows nobody any good. And in fact, there will be opportunities opening up from this. Uh, and small businesses are, are really well placed to take advantage of these things because they're not like the big corporate beer moths who've got, you know, the turning circle of, of uh, the Titanic. You know, small businesses can pivot. It's a case of understanding how things are going to come back and, and, and when they're going to come back. Uh, as far as the event management industry is concerned, I think it'll come back in stages. For those businesses which supply into sort of corporate events and things like that, I think that will come back sooner than the, the sort of straight entertainment events. Just leave uh, that there. Just leave that there, Peter. We'll come yeah. back to that in a moment. We've got another question on that one to help people. Okay. Just turn to your good self, Paul. Obviously, Peter does the marketing for the events and helps the event organisers. We're actually at the events a lot of the time, and we we have to be careful ourselves, don't we? In regard that 
being on site, etc. It'd just be too risky to go on site, wouldn't it? As Peter said, the events industry at the moment, as we know it, is completely changed. So from our point of view, the live side, which is what we mainly deal with, and as you do, that's gone for now. They're looking to bring that back in stages, but I think the biggest thing is that everyone that is going to want to get back to work in the events industry and start is going to be, they're going to have to get all the PPE gear all sorted. They're going to have to have their risk assessments sorted. They're going to have to liaise with their clients. I mean, we've already been doing this now. We've already been speaking to clients who want to get things kicking off as soon as July, August, but especially for the, for the conference side kind of things, they're like, well, how can we do an event with say hundred people because we can't do it how we normally do it. We've got to do social distancing. We've got to put this in. So it means you've got to liaise with the venues, you've got to liaise with the staff on the ground, you've got to liaise with uh, the people actually involved with the event. So it's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen. Um, some of those guidelines haven't come out as yet. We're still waiting on that. And I believe that's going to come out over the course of the next couple of weeks. But I think it's going to be challenging, but it's not going to be impossible. Linking that back to you though, Pete, that's got to be marketed out, hasn't it? It's okay me and Paul and the people on the ground having the social distance measures, but if people don't know they're in place, people aren't going to arrive, are they? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the conundrum always is in marketing. It's communicating what exactly what your offer is into the marketplace. The fact that you, that you, that you have a business that is social distancing ready, if you like, in inverted commas, needs to be communicated to your clients. Yeah, so, so that they understand that you're ready to deal with those issues which arise from organising an event that requires social distancing. And then, of course, Paul, our problem is, is ensuring that these are followed on site because the last thing we want to do is put ourselves and families at risk, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing because I think there's even more at stake in this case. Some, some people that run events will probably go, we're not starting this back up, we can't, we can't risk this. So there's two ways this is going to go. You're going to have the people that are going to go, no, we're just going to sit and wait. We're going to postpone stuff because we don't want that risk. Yes, we could do it like that with the PPE gear and all that, but it's just too much risk. But this is the other side of the people that will want to move forward and do it. Just the one small mistake or slip up is not only going to cost you possibly your event or the job or the client, but possibly your health. Um, and I don't mean to sound so grim, but it's the truth because you could end up putting someone else at risk if you're not following those rules. I mean, one of the first events I've got at the moment in the diary, I've got a massive possible festival start of September and then I've got an expo and they're two totally different events, aren't they? Because yeah. I, I, my feeling is a business expo will be easier to social distance because you can control people coming in, you can control the stand distance. A massive food festival, it's going to be very, very difficult. 30,000 people. How is yes. that going to look? So this is an interesting subject, because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some developments in the exhibition area. Um, a lot of countries around the world have basically said, music festivals, uh, large social gatherings uh, are scrapped. They've either been rescheduled to next year or um, we're going to look into the next year. Or there's a ban on them. Certain countries have said, right, so Germany, for instance, banned live music. Doesn't matter if it's a small, small gig, club, festival, banned until October. However, with an exhibition, they are looking to start up exhibitions. So China, a couple of weeks ago, had their first motor or uh, automotive industry. And it was great success. The way that they uh, policed it, all the measures, you had to be tested going in. 
the stuff coming out and all the way with the distancing. The thing is, people are failing to see the difference between those type of events at the moment. And there's been a lot of conversation saying, well, if, if they're allowed to do that, why aren't we allowed to do this? Well, that's not the scenario. With exhibitions, they're more laid out. You can limit the number of people going in, as you, as you said. The spaces, the way they do it, it's not going to be all tightly compact. Um, it's a very different scenario and people don't seem to understand this. But I think it's the way forward because this probably expos will probably be some of the first things that hopefully will come back to this country along with certain seminars and conferences. But people shouldn't be against that. They should let that happen because if we can get that going and we can get that right, that's the ultimate goal to start getting your music events, your festivals and other stuff because it's just a building block. If we don't allow that to happen, then nothing's going to move forward. Ben, uh, you know, as we sit here, you know, it's very difficult to see how you could possibly enforce social distancing in the mosh pit, for instance. <laughs> you yeah. just couldn't do it as it stands at the moment. But, but of course, you know, if the exhibition, uh, I mean, certainly we have the chance with exhibitions to, to actually look at how a social distancing event might look and how you can best organise it. And the lessons learned from that, as Paul says, could easily be fed into the entertainment industry. The issue is always going to be, can people make a profit on the basis of social distancing? You know, with the additional cost that social distancing involves in terms of, of, of managing it, you know, the, the capacities of various venues are going to be halved. Can they still make a profit on that basis? That's going to be the key to it, really. There's the other, other issue that we have to uh, look at is that, People are still not really understanding what's going on. Last week, the, the lockdown was eased, but then you, we've just had some ridiculous things happening. The, the thing in Hyde Park just happened. A load of people at Hyde Park protesting, right, okay, I get the fact they want to protest or whatever, but they're not socially distancing, and this is what's going to cause things. So, again, kind of going back to the other thing that, you know, we, we, we can do what we can to make sure this happens. You just don't know what people are going to do because they're all individual minds. So it's all well and good that we might do an exhibition with the spacing and everything and put all the correct stuff. But someone might just have a slip and someone might go, oh, such and such a go and say over there and try to go, you know, it, it's going to be so difficult to, to maintain that. And I'm not saying it's not impossible. Everyone's just got to do their best to do that. Otherwise, it's just, the one simplest thing could make this fall down. I, I would make the point that, that, that it's important, going back to what I said in, uh, at the outset really, is it, it, it's important to accept the fact that, that there's going to be certain sort of um, trends in society which you, which you simply can't control. You know, people are just going to do what they're going to do at the end of the day. And you as a business can't control that. All you can do is control what you can control really. I mean, it may be, for instance, this easing of the lockdown, which is, you know, only very slight at the moment, leads to people actually sort of pushing the boundaries a lot more and it could even lead to a further spike in COVID. Well, there's nothing we can do about that at the end of the day. We just have to play it by ear on that. Front. But but I would certainly be taking the positive view that, that, that you need to be planning for the opportunities that will open up when the marketplace comes back because it will come back. It's just a question of when. But unless we push those boundaries, we're not going to know if there is going to be a second spike, of course. It's all guesswork, isn't it? And that's the lot of the problem, isn't it? Everything well, we're doing is guesswork because we've never been through anything like this. I, and you, you can't do it, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it if there is going to be a second spike at the end of the day because, it, it, you know, it's just people moving around in society and controlling society is a, 
uh, as the government is finding, is a, is a very, very difficult thing to do. You know? Realistically, what you have a look at is if there is a second spike, um, without trying to sound harsh, the only real thing that it actually means is that everything just gets pushed back. So all the plans that have been laid out and everything, it just gets pushed back. Absolutely right. And that's, that's the easiest way of saying it. I know there's lots of other implications and stuff, and I don't yeah. mean to sound so fickle about that, but it just means, again, as you just said, it's a learning curve. If we don't get that spike, things will come back sooner, but hopefully we won't get that spike. But that, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there is the health issues, of course, and we always you know, respect the health issues, but we're going to discuss the events industry, which, of course, is, is a key income for us, for us all. Let's look at a business expo. expo. And you were on about cost a moment ago, Pete. You're going to have to start managing it a lot more than people have, haven't they? Because they're going to have to have almost door people controlling the people that come in, etc. A lot of business exhibitions have a further advantage. Not all of them, by any means, but but a certain, you know, certainly a goodly proportion of them. In in that they're not not run necessarily for profit. Yeah. You know, they could be run for promotional purposes, whatever. You know, uh, so so from again from that point of view they have a you know a pretty free hand in terms of how they manage people in and out of their in and out of their events but where you've got to run it for a profit then it becomes a little bit a little bit more um, a little bit more difficult to, to 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 justify ways of working which are which are not going to be profitable you know i mean for instance you're not unlikely to get away with doubling doubling the ticket value or doubling the ticket price to actually cover the social distancing measures you need to, to to run the event, you know, that's not to say it's not possible. And the point I really wanted to make was that the the, the good and best and strongest businesses are born solving those sorts of problems. It's easy to run a business when times are good. It's difficult to run a business when times are bad. And and the businesses that and it's a truism to say that the businesses that are born out of these sorts of situations turn out to be the strongest and 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 best growing businesses going forward and Paul I mean obviously a lot of times you're in charge because you're on the microphone aren't you you know you're comparing and you've got the sound you know you're in charge of what people can hear you're gonna have to start thinking about messages aren't you numerous things to consider so everything from signage good clear signage to say look this is what's expected of you this is how we're running the event to frequent announcements to an e-digital guide on your phone that you download, they're gonna to have to put the content and messages in there. You basically, every point of contact to the person to get the message across, you're gonna to have to do that in so many ways. And there's, there's so much other stuff to consider. So obviously as Peter said, you can control with, obviously with the doorstep and, and stuff, people coming in and out. Typically with the bigger expos and things, you do have the whole, what they call holding halls. So you know, like people pay for an early bird ticket and they can get them in an hour early, some of these things. There probably wouldn't be any of that because you'd have to social distance the queues, but they would use those holding halls to space those people out so people have to go in a timely fashion. It also means people are going to have to be a lot more lenient because uh, expos, you you go in, you got your wristband, you got your ticket or whatever. If it's a free one, you just go in, you get your bag, you walk straight and you go where you want. There's probably going to have to be similar things where they're going to have to dictate the way you walk round. Um, there's going to be the thing that you're going to have to wait in a queue to get in so you might get there for the opening but you know you might have to wait an hour before you're allowed in they might do allocated time slots you book your time slot to go in so that they can say right well normally we'd have a thousand people in here we're only allowed 200 but it means they're getting 200 people 
in socially safely distancing there's there's so much stuff to consider but yeah uh, just getting the message out in any way is uh, is very important i think it's an interesting one from the point of view of exhibitors because i mean often often it's exhibitors who pay for these events and um, the exhibitors key measure is obviously footfall people coming in sort of thing However, what's also important is where you're positioned within the show. For the sake of argument, a, uh, an, uh, an exhibition organiser could actually organise a one-way system, which ensures that all of the people go past all of the stands. Uh, that, could be, that could be sold as a, as a positive uh, to balance out the fact that you won't get a lot, you, you probably only get 50% of the people that you would have before COVID, you know? Mm, yeah. there'll be a lot of planning having to go in because you think that it takes a lot of time especially for the bigger expos in london and, and birmingham manchester and stuff they, they work on these floor plans nearly 12 months in advance they do. So think yeah. that if, if there's something that's coming up in a couple of months time when when we are allowed to run events like this, they've got to spend a lot of time and a lot of thought on how to completely rework i mean it might even be that they have to say to some exhibitors depending on what type of exhibition it is you have a limited amount of space. They might have to say, right, everyone has the same amount of space because we, because you know, you get some things that have these massive stands and some have little two meter cubicles. Well, if they've got a socially distancing, they're going to have to rework all that. So there's going to be a lot of implications in, you know, that not only the exhibitors are going to have to rethink about their stands, but how the organizers are going to space the stands out and how, as you say, people are going to get around it. There's so much to consider with this. Mm. I've got I've got a big show at the end of September for recovery trucks, recovery vehicles. There's not a lot of space because the vehicles take up. It's at Telford, so you, you, I don't know if you, obviously you know the whole pool at Telford. I don't know if you do, Peter, but it takes up a lot of a lot of space. The vehicles do. Yeah. The actual personnel space it really can be really tight, especially on the first day. Uh, you know, the first day, and also you know they have seminars as well. It's going to take a lot of planning, a lot of cost, and a lot of extra time, which is going to take away from the parts of your business. It really is. It, it really is a difficult time. But I do believe that business expos will be back sooner. And I suspect they'll be back later this year because we have I, to get out and trade. I, I think, I, I think the gov, reading between the lines of what the government has said uh, and what's happening in other countries, they do see business exhibitions as being a vital part of reopening the, reopening the economy. They will come back reasonably quickly, I think, but they will come back in this form that we're talking about. They won't. They won't be like they were before. They will be uh, very, very controlled events. I mean, it'll be purely promotional events to start off with, and then people who are looking to make a profit out of them, they will, they will suck it and see and see and look at what the uh, promotional events are doing in terms of social distancing and see, seeing if they can incorporate those costs into into their model. You know. But also, the venues yeah. have got to help us out here because the venues have got to help us out with with um, sanitizer and, and we keep in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It needs to be a true partnership with the venues because the venues are going to have to understand that they're not going to get the shows on into their venues unless they provide support for these processes. You know, there's, there's a lot of things to consider as well because it's obviously we've discussed the venues, we've discussed the actual exhibitors and the organisers. The other thing you have to consider is the stuff that happens at the start and the end that a lot of people don't see. It's all the contractors, all the people that lay the carpets down, build the, the shell schemes. It's all that, so the venue needs to liaise with all them as well. And as Peter just said, they have to look at it and go, right, if we've got to do this, 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 and change this, this, and this, is this going to be viable to do? So some expos, and I know this already, some expos have already said, no, 
we're not going to do that. Some some have tried to postpone, and obviously the, the, the dates they put fell far too short. So there's people that had already postponed for stuff like for next month in June, and they've turned around and gone, no, we're just going to reschedule this next year. It all comes down to, are they going to make money out of it? That sounds a bit harsh, but why would you put on a, an event that you're going to lose money? But th- this is where the venues have got to assist because you're going to have to do one all at a time, maybe, or you know, time slots, like you say. So the back half of each hall does first, and that is where because yeah. you, if you've got everybody piling at different times, you can't, you simply can't do that, then, can you? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. If you look at some of the, the bigger, bigger expo halls, I mean, at the moment, obviously, like a good example is Excel in London. That's a hospital at the moment. But um, Expo is huge because it's got like two massive lot. It's got about eight or nine halls on eight, each side. Uh, so you can have like massive expos going down each side. But when it comes to the build days, normally for a typical exhibition that might take half of that, it's normally two days of build. Um, and that is with everyone getting time slots and going in and queuing. And then it's like loads of people going in at the same time. You're going to have to extend that because there's no way you could build something which takes up four or five halls in two days we're trying to associate there's too much going on so you even gonna have to look at the lead times your lead time so you might have to double it or triple it so you like four five six days to build that expo which then run two three days or whatever and then probably look at a couple of days to strip it out normally it only takes about a day but you're gonna have to look at it in a completely different way just just to finish yeah. off the podcast now let's get to outdoor events and that, that includes the food festivals and flower shows and obviously music yeah. events we're a long way off, aren't we? If we're honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, realistically, yeah. Most festivals have been cancelled. A lot of the major ones we saw got cancelled. I think that last week we said Reading and Leeds Festival got cancelled. There's a few uh, locally. Obviously, it's May. So normally we'd have Pride Festival in Birmingham. They've said that they want to try and push that back to September. Um, but there's three or four other local festivals in the Birmingham slash Solihull area that are all pushing back for that same date so that's going to have a knock-on effect because everyone's trying to do that assuming they're allowed to do it i really can't again there's got to be so many measures put in place by the time we get ready for it we're going to be out of festival season i think realistically if you start getting into middle of the autumn which is october not many people are going to want to go to a festival when it's getting cold and it's getting dark and it's damp I think that'd be difficult. The, the only thing that we have seen, and the first few have started to be announced, are these driving uh, type yeah. festivals where you go in your cars and that. I don't know how well they work. They've done some in other countries like Denmark and stuff. They're going to start doing some of the first ones over here in the next couple of months. Again, not sure how profitable that be. Not sure how that will work because how do you hear a live band while you're sitting in your car? You're supposed to be social distancing. You got technically you're sitting in a car is like sitting in a blooming isolation booth in some respect. So how are you going to really hear it? I there's a lot of again unknowns. It, I think the best thing is with with especially the festival side of things, it needs to be pushed back to next year. And I, again, I'm really sorry to say that it sounds very defeatist, but there could be so many more problems if we started doing big events, uh, especially in August. Like you look at London Carnival and stuff. Yeah. How many people that brings? That, you know, uh, that, that could cause a spike in a matter of a day, doing something like that. As you can see from looking at me, uh, I came through in the era of punk rock, so, um, and uh, people weren't, uh, weren't slow in exchanging body, bodily fluids when it came to punk rock, uh, if you remember the, you know, the po going and the spitting and all that. But um, 
you know, from the point of view of music, uh, the, the, the music market is, is going to need a radical realignment because these days, or up until the, the outbreak, the music industry, or at least the, from the point of view of the bands, was, was based on touring. You know, that's where they made their money. They didn't make the money from the recordings. They made the money from touring. The one thing that we haven't sort of discussed in this regard, though, is, is how online it's going to complement live events. I think particularly with the music, the one thing I'd say about it's not going to come back to anywhere near what it was until such time as we have a vaccine or a, a good way of t treating COVID um, such that such that it's not the threat that it is now. Uh, and that could be, you know, 12 months away, 18 months away, whatever, you know. So, and even then it won't come back like it was. So, so there's going to have to be a radical rethink about how how the music industry operates effectively to promote bands in such a way that um, you know, uh, and we're not talking about the megastars here. We're talking about bands who who just want to make a living out of playing at li live events. You know, the other the other problem you've got, of course, is is one bad move, one event that does get a, a COVID um, spike, and it, the, the promoter's gone forever, the band's gone forever because you'll be forever uh, positioned and said. You cause that? Yeah, it's a conundrum. There's no doubt about it. It's 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 a difficult one, and it'll, it'll need some brainstorming and creativity to put together both the the live offer, the recorded offer, and the online offer as live offer. If you see what I mean, you know, you put the whole thing together to help the music industry survive. Basically, you know, enforcing social distancing in 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 sort of music events, I think, is a you know, is pretty much a non-starter, quite frankly. You know, people go out to enjoy themselves. They go out to sort of, you know, I can't sit here and think of, of, of a way that you could possibly do that. But then again, you know, you need to get get creative with it, I suppose. But, Paul, but then, Paul, surely we become, when this 30 million vaccine potentially comes out from Oxford University in September, we become key workers then to get that industry back moving. Not above the NHS or any of the other work, social care workers. I'm not saying that. But to get the events industry moving, we need to be vaccine very, very quickly and get out there and get the industry moving again, don't we? Yeah, because without that, I, I can't see that many people that would want to, uh, you know, all, all the contractors, all the people that do all that, they're, they're not going to want to, again, as we, we spoke about earlier, put themselves at risk. I, I think in the terms of events, we'd be classed as key workers, but I don't think we're that high up in the agenda. No. At the moment, uh, as you've seen, as we've seen the event industry, as we, we've said, has been hit really hard and there's still things that the government need to do to to help that uh there's a lot of people like as people were saying there's you know your, your rock stars and all that your, your pop stars are probably going to be all right they're doing like online concerts and what that but your actual musicians that go day to day they're playing the theaters playing the pubs playing the clubs um they can't do what they do and they're not getting any income in so then it needs to be something sorted out for them as well we can be in the 30 million though paul surely if that comes true in september well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think. It'd just be interesting to see how things develop over the next couple of weeks and how they announce it, to be honest. I'd like to think we would be there. We'll just see where, where, where the government kind of thinks, what are the key areas that need to start up again. But if they're saying that we're, the events industry isn't going to be one of them, they need to do something to keep that industry going because otherwise a lot of people, a lot of venues, a lot of things are all going to fall by the wayside before we even get to Christmas. Well, that, that's the problem, really but... negative. It's really terrible because I, I am actually like, yeah, like this can happen and we could do that. But 
unfortunately, the, the, the facts that are there at the moment, it, it does sound quite negative, but there, there should, there, there should, there is, there is hope out there. <laughs> one thing, I, one thing I would say to that is uh, going back to what I said uh, at the outset was, who'd have thought we'd be here five months later on the thirty first of uh, December two thousand nineteen? You know, even with the with the three wise men sitting here, it's very difficult to actually predict what's going to happen in the next five months. You know, and it's important to retain a, a positive mindset. And, and and my great belief is that businesses like ours, small businesses really have the opportunity to to build something really worthwhile going forward because we are able to turn around and change what we do much more easily than those big businesses out there but we need the big businesses to support us so we can go and do what we need to which is absolutely the same so yeah. Yeah. gents that's been absolutely superb hopefully we've given everybody else a bit of an insight into the events and how we're thinking and that we are positive and that we will get there in what in chunks i think is probably the best way of saying it um, so thank you very much for joining me today, gents. It's been really appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.